How y'all doing? Hey, moms. All right, I want the oldest mother. We're going to recognize her. No, I'm just kidding. Those of y'all that grew up in Baptist church like me, you know. All right, the oldest mother, the one that's got the most kids here today and all that kind of stuff. We're not going to do that, but we are glad that you're here on Mother's Day. And um, maybe you're here visiting today. You're with your mama. Good. Good to come to church with your mama on Mother's Day. Be good for you to come back next week, too, when it's not Mother's Day. All right? So but we're glad glad to see all of you here today. Before we jump into what we're going to talk about, um, let me remind you of one thing coming up that, uh, that Donnie didn't mention that we wanted to be sure and remind you of. Vacation Bible School is this summer, and that's what we do. Uh, we do this every, every summer for a week, and uh, it's for our children ages uh, little. I can't remember exactly when it starts. I don't have to know that. Um, three, ages three to, uh, to fifth grade. And, um, and, but why you need to know about that is you need to bring your kids and your grandkids and your neighbor kids and all that stuff. But the other thing is it's an opportunity for you to serve, an opportunity for you to be involved. And it goes right along with what we're talking about today. Uh, you don't, if you can't teach a Bible story, that's okay. If you can round up a group of kids and smile at them and hug them, you're qualified. If you can pour juice into a little cup and hand somebody a cookie, you're qualified. So there's plenty of ways for you to be involved. You don't have to have kids. In fact, I think it's great for people that don't have kids or their kids have grown and gone or don't have yet have kids. I think it's great for those folks to serve too because you get to be around some children. So anyway, that's going on this summer. There's sign-up sheets in the atrium. Don't miss out on that opportunity to, uh, to really serve this summer. We're continuing our, our um, series that we began last week free indeed, and we're talking about the mission of our church. And I mentioned to this to you last week, but I just I told you that if a church is not clear on its mission, somebody else will step up and try to give the church a mission to have. And so one of the things that, that I hope that you'll get tired of hearing me say, I hope you'll get tired of hearing me say what our mission is and that it's helping people discover the true freedom only Christ can give. Because if I'm saying it so much that you're getting tired of it, that probably means it's, it's finally sinking in and you're getting the point. There was a friend of mine, he was on staff at a church in Charlotte, North Carolina. And there was a church kind of like this one where they had, um, uh, this guy had started the church. And when my friend was on staff there, the church was about 10 years old. So about twice as old as our church is. And, uh, and at that time, the, uh, the, the North Carolina Baptist Convention was really pushing the churches that were part of the convention to have different kind of, you know, have this awareness day, this Sunday, and this other awareness. And it was always, you know, it was, it was good things. It was nothing bad. But it was like a political cause or something. And, and I'm not even going to tell you what the political cause was because I don't want you to get, you know, off on that thing. But there was this one Sunday that all the churches, they were having such and such awareness day. And their church had not responded that they were going to be a part of that. And, and uh, so they started getting some calls from the guy, the Charlotte Association. Hey, are you going to participate in this, that, and the other? And finally the pastor told him, and he said, hey, uh, we're not saying that's not a good cause, but I started this church 10 years ago, and every Sunday we've had the same awareness day. And we're going to have that awareness day again this Sunday. He said, we have Jesus awareness day every single Sunday. And he said, this Sunday we're going to have Jesus awareness day again. And one of the things that will happen is 
if, if a church is not strong in letting you know, if the pastor and, the, and everything that the church does is not strong in letting you know this is what we stand for, this is why this church exists, then everybody else is going to try to put their own spin on it. And you, you've probably been around, you've seen churches like that where it seems like at election time, wow, it seems like their focus now is getting this guy elected or whatever else. And that happens because the church is not strong about saying this is what we stand for. And so what Freedom Fellowship is all about, why it was begun five years ago, why it's still continuing today, why if the grace of God allows it to be, it will be here five years from now, is because our mission, our goal, our focus is helping as many people as possible discover true spiritual freedom that you can only find in Jesus Christ. That's why we do this. And so that's what we're talking about. Now, there's a couple of ways that you can do that. And, um, and, and there's through, through words and actions. And today we're going to talk about actions. But about a month ago, I came across a statistic that was pretty surprising even to me. And I try to read up on these statistics and stuff. And, uh, and by the way, 78% of statistics are made up on the spot, just so you'll know that. But um, that's, that's kidding. That's supposed to be a joke. Maybe it is. I don't know. I've never researched that. But this is a true statistic. Um, now, if, you lived, if you've lived here in the upstate longer than five minutes, you know there's a lot of churches around here, right? How many of you drove past at least one, more, one or two churches on your way to get here today? Yeah. I drove past two, maybe three churches this morning to get here from my house. And um, so there's churches, you can throw a rock and hit a church if you live in the upstate. But did you know that despite all of the churches that are up here and, and the fact that all over this county right now there's people at worship services, that over 70% of upstate residents do not regularly attend church. Now let that sink in just for a second. You take a group of 10 people, if this statistic is true, only three of them are at church this morning. The other seven are, you know, at Bedside Baptist Church, you know, they're in their room, or they're at Lake Hartwell Baptist Church out there doing their thing. It's a little chilly for that this morning, or wherever they might be. But over 70% of people do not attend church on a regular basis. So here's the thing. Our mission of helping people discover the true freedom that only Christ can give, that mission is not going to get old anytime soon. That mission is not going to become irrelevant anytime in the next month or in the next couple of weeks because there are plenty of people to go around that need to hear about Jesus. When we first started this church, and a lot of you don't know this, and it wasn't, it wasn't bad uh, it wasn't a real bad push, but when we first started this church, there was kind of a push back from some of the existing churches in the, in the area because they thought, why do we need another church? And I had people say to me, why are you starting another church? Why don't you just take over one of these churches that nobody's going to and try to get everybody to come to that church? And my response was always the same. I said, we're starting this church for people that aren't in church, and we're not trying to get any of your people that are at your church and there's enough people that aren't in church to go around. If the 70% of people in Greenville County, if they all woke up this morning and said, you know what, it's Mother's Day, I'm going to go to church. If they all showed up at the same time, there wouldn't be enough seats for them in all the existing churches. Even though there's a church on every corner, there's not enough room for all the people who aren't in church. So that's one of the reasons why we're starting new churches and we're always giving to new church starts. And that's the reason why our focus is today and it will continue to be helping those folks, those 70%, know about the true freedom 
and Jesus Christ. Now, if we're going to do that, um, there is, uh, we've all got a responsibility. Now, I've got something on my wrist here. Does anybody know what this is before I even take it off? Yeah, all the teachers are like, I know what those are. Those are banned from my school. This is a, uh, this is a silly band is what this is. And my nine-year-old daughter taught me the other day that the real silly bands are spelled with a Z on the end. The other ones are just fake from China or something. I don't know. But uh, mine's in the shape of a dragon, right? And uh, by the way, kids, I'll, take a, I'll trade you back for this, but I need like 50 to go for this dragon, all right? That's the way it works. But uh, now here's the thing about silly bands. If, if you know, if you've got kids, you know these are big time right now, right? Kids want them. They've been banned from schools the way cinnamon toothpicks were banned from my elementary school, you know, back in like 1978. And, um, and so, I mean, you know, you can't bring these to school. Now, here's the thing. Let me, let me ask you something. Did any of you see the Silly Bands commercial during the Super Bowl this year that they spent like $2 million on? Did you see that? No, you didn't. Did, did you, have, how many of you have seen a Silly Bands billboard riding down the road? And they're advertising. You've never seen that either, have you? Have you ever seen a Silly Bands ad in a magazine? No. You know why? Because they don't exist. So how in the world does something that is really just a stupid rubber band that's in a shape, how does it become the biggest thing going when it's never even been advertised? They've never done any kind of ad campaign. The Silly Bands people, who I found out the other day, it started in like Birmingham, Alabama. So, you know, hooray for the South. We did something good that we, you know, came with something. But the Silly Bands people in Alabama, when they, when they launched this thing, they didn't put on a, a media blitz. They just put them in stores. So how did it get to be so big? It got to be big the best way possible for something to become big, which is word of mouth. One kid buys it and wears it to school and shows it to their friend. Now that kid's got to have it, and they go tell their mom, Johnny at school, he's got this dragon silly band. What's a silly band? I need it. i got to have it. Let's go to Wilson's and buy it or wherever they are. And so... All of a sudden, it becomes this huge deal, and they never advertised. It was one person telling another person who told another person, and it goes on and on and on like that. That is the best way, and that is the way that Jesus prescribed in the Bible for the message of Christ to spread. You see, the silly bands people didn't create this. That was Jesus' idea from the beginning. You tell one person, they tell one person, they tell one person. And by the way, after you tell that one person, tell somebody else. And so by word of mouth, by growing organically, that's the way the church should grow. And we all have that responsibility. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, you have the responsibility to share how your friends can find true freedom in Jesus. And like I talked about a while ago, there's two ways that we can do that. One is through our actions, and one is through our words. And we're going to get to words next week, okay? So some of you are already making plans not to be here next week. I know, that's all right. Because I know when we start talking to people about Jesus, it gets a little scary and all that kind of stuff. But we're, we're going to get there next week. But today we're going to talk about our actions. You know, there's an old saying that actions speak louder than words. And, and that's true in so many ways. In fact, there's a great quote by St. Francis where he said, Preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. Preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. In other, way, in other words, live your life in such a way that people can see Jesus 
in the way you live, in the way you interact with people, every day, wherever it is, and then when necessary, you be ready to answer the questions. You be ready to tell them about Jesus. But it's got to begin with our actions. Now, I want to talk about two things today. I think there's a lot of things, there's a lot of kind of actions that we can do that speak louder than words. But I want to focus on two today that we can see examples of in Scripture. One of them is this. Our compassionate service can speak louder than words. Our compassionate service can speak louder than words. And I'm not talking about the church service, okay? I'm talking about our service to other people. Look at Matthew chapter 15. If you've got your Bibles, open to the first book of the New Testament, which is Matthew. If you don't have your Bibles, it's on the screen. I'm going to put my silly band back on while y'all are looking for that so I won't lose it. Matthew 15, very first book of the New Testament, which is the second part of the Bible. I want to read you a story. Matthew 15, 29 says this. Jesus left there and went along the Sea of Galilee. Then he went up on a mountainside and sat down. Great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet, and he healed them. The people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled made well, the lame walking, and the blind seeing. And they praised the God of Israel. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way. His disciples answered, Where can we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd? How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. Seven, they replied, and a few small fish. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves and the fish, and when he had given thanks, he broke them and gave them to, his, to the disciples, and they in turn to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was 4,000 besides women and children. Now, some of you that grew up in church, you're a little confused right now. Because you said, wait a minute, Cliff, did your Bible have a typo? Four, it's supposed to be 5,000, right? Not 4,000. Was it, wasn't it 5,000 people that Jesus fed? And, and instead of, instead of uh, how many baskets did it say in this story here? I've already lost it here. Instead of seven basketfuls, there were supposed to be 12 basketfuls left over. And instead of seven loaves of fish, there were five loaves and two fishes. Isn't that right? See, what you need to know is Jesus did two miraculous feedings. The one that you're thinking about that gets all the press is the feeding of the 5,000, which is found a chapter or two before the one that we just read about in Matthew. This one in Matthew 15 is the feeding of the 4,000. Jesus used the same formula, right? He did kind of the same thing. Oh, let's get some loaves and fish, and we're going to multiply these. But the number's a little bit different. There were 4,000 men plus all the women and children, which in the other one there was 5,000 men plus all the women and children. And then this time you had a different number of stuff left over and all that, but it's a different miraculous feeding. But what I wanted to emphasize to you today, because I think it's something very interesting in this story, because it's a very different story than a lot of the stories in the Gospels about Jesus. If you notice in this story, there's no teaching. There's, Jesus doesn't share a parable. He doesn't call out the Pharisees and lay the smack down on them and call them vipers and you know whitewashed tombs and children of the devil and all that kind of good stuff that he would do from time to time. 
It says that they brought sick people to him, he healed them, and then he fed them, and then everybody went home. There's no mention of any kind of teaching in here. Now, we know that at some point in there, I mean, it, it, it says they were there three days. I feel certain sometime in the three days Jesus did some teaching. I feel certain he preached a sermon or taught someone one-on-one or a small group, even if it was just his disciples. I very seriously doubt that he went three days without saying anything of significance. But when we read it in here, it's like Matthew who wrote this. He wanted us to emphasize and look at the fact that, listen, it's not always what you say, but it's oftentimes what you do that makes the difference. Because what made the difference in these people's lives? It was that Jesus healed them, is that he had an act of service that he could do for them. Now, obviously, you can't multiply bread or fish. If you can, come talk to me because we've got some jobs for you to do around here, if you can do that. But Jesus could. He could take five loaves of bread and a couple of fish, and he could feed 4,000 people with it. And it tells us there that that's what he did. The, the emphasis is not on what he was saying, but the emphasis was on the action. It was on the service that was being done. And the same thing needs to happen today, that our compassionate service can make a huge difference in the lives of people. And I've got several examples, but one example I want to give you is that uh, my buddy Mark Johnson t tells me this all the time, and I think he heard this in Africa, and that is that you can't hear the gospel. People can't hear the gospel on an empty stomach. And we've got a team that's going to Africa in, uh, in the beginning of September. I want all y'all to stand up. Go ahead and stand up where you are, Botswana folks. Don't, don't sit down yet. Now, these are, these are some of our folks that are going to uh, Botswana, Afri that's West Africa. And uh, Mark has told you about that before. And they, they've, they, uh, some of these went last year. Joel and Nancy were there last year. Jason was there and Mark was there. And then Mark's been there like a year before that as well. And, um, but one of the things that, that this church, Old and the Lady Baptist Fellowship, that we support in Botswana, one of the things they do is they feed orphans every day. There are orphans in that part of the world due to the AIDS epidemic. And so these kids, they've lost their mother and their father to AIDS, and they've got these kids, and the church just feeds them, gives them a meal every day. And Old and the Lady Baptist Fellowship has a feeding station and that's in a different location. And these folks here, when they go, what they're going to be doing this summer is they're going to be moving that feeding station from where it is now to where the church is. And that's why we've sold Some of y'all bought the Botswana Project t-shirts, you know, this shirt fed a child for one month, the, the green ones. All the money for that is going with them to Botswana to do that project. And so this is a perfect example of a group of people that have said, you know what, we're going to make our actions speak louder than our words. Our compassionate service to the people of Botswana is going to speak louder than any words we could share because we're not only going to feed these children, we're going to help this church. So this is what I want to do before, before they sit back down. I want us to pray for them and pray for their trip that is coming up. What is the exact date, Mark? September 2nd through the 10th. So they've got some time before they leave. They'll be leaving around Labor Day weekend. So I want us to pray for them. This is what I want to do. And, uh, and if you're here and this is your first week and you, you're about to get weirded out by this, you know, just it'll be okay. You don't have to do this. But if those people that are around them that are a regular part of freedom, that know these folks, I just want you to reach out and touch somebody that's, that's standing up. If you can get your hands on them and uh, so that everybody will have a couple hands on them. 
and, uh, and I'm going to pray. As I pray, I want you to pray silently for them, or you can pray out loud for them. That's cool, too. And uh, so let me, let me say a prayer of blessing for what these folks are going to do in September as they're going to make sure that their actions speak louder than their words with their compassionate service. Let's pray. Father God, you are a God of all the nations. We know that from reading Scripture. And oftentimes, Lord, we get caught up into what's going on here in America and we think that the world revolves around us. And Lord, we know that you are at work in nations that we've never even heard of. We know that you are at work in cultures that we don't understand that are very foreign to us. And Father, we know that you are at work in Africa. We know that you are at work in Botswana. And we know that you are at work at Old Lady Baptist Fellowship with Maruti James and the other folks there. And we are so excited that we have folks from right here in South Carolina that are going to be sacrificing their own money, sacrificing their own time to spend it over there helping those who need help, helping those that need a meal, helping orphans that if, if they're not fed by that church every day, they'll go hungry. And so, Lord, I pray your blessings on each one of these. I pray that you would protect them spiritually protect them emotionally and also that you would protect them physically as they get ready to make this trip lord that as they're there that they would know exactly what they need to do that their hearts would constantly and continually be turned towards you and that that you would give them a safe trip home and they would bring the story back to us and that it would inspire someone new to go next year and lord that that it would grow into something where every year we are sending folks that can be hands and feet on the ground in Botswana to do your work. And we pray your blessings on each one of them. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys, for being here and for standing up. Now, that's a perfect example of the kind of stuff that, that you can be involved in, the kind of stuff that's going on. And you're saying, hey, Cliff, you know what? Africa, man, that's for someone else. I'm a non-African dude. I'm, I'm a, I'm a non-leaving-the-country. You know, and some of you right now are thinking, I wouldn't be traveling in the, you know, there's terrorists that hate us Americans. Yeah, there are, right? And, uh, and so you're thinking you wouldn't do that. Well, hey, how about what goes on right here at home? You know, that's, that's the reason we do this event every August called Back to School Bash. That's why we do that. We do that because there are kids every day that, it, that when they go to school, they don't have the right supplies, they don't have a book bag, and they need that stuff. And so every year, every August, we gather together and try to get as many book bags and try to get as many free school supplies as we can so that we can send at least a handful of children, seven or 800, to school prepared for school. And, that's, and the re, we do that because we believe that our compassionate service to this community will speak louder than our words, if we have compassionate service to them. Now look at, uh, look at verse 32 of Matthew 15. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way. I have compassion for these people. Now listen real close here. There's a difference between service and compassionate service. There is service that you do because you feel obligated to. There is service that you do because you want to keep me happy as the pastor. 
there's service that you do because you want to impress someone else. That's not what we're talking about here. I mentioned back to school bash a while ago. And, uh, and by the way, I don't know who it was that made this comment, and I don't want to know. And if it's you, you're about to get mad, but you'll be all right. But last year when we did Back to School Bash, we got a comment a couple weeks later from someone, and I don't know who it was, that said, you know what, we shouldn't be giving away all those book packs, backpacks because a bunch of those people there are probably illegal immigrants. And I wanted to find out who that was, and go to them and say, uh, shut up, right? That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to suggest to them that they shut up. I suggest you shut up. That's what I wanted to say. Because here's the thing. Yes, I guarantee you we gave backpacks to some illegal immigrant children. I, I, I would bet my house that we did, Right? But there's a couple things about that. One, is it the kid's fault that they're here illegally? Did that nine-year-old kid say, hey, I found a passageway through Arizona and we can all get into the country. Come on, elementary school children, follow me. No, of course not. Now, their parents might be at fault, but they're not at fault. So what, what does it hurt to give a kid who maybe has never heard about the love of Jesus and guess what? I would love it if a kid got into this country illegally and found out about the love of Jesus. I would be glad they got in this country illegally if they weren't going to find out about it in Mexico or Guatemala or wherever it is they were from. And so when, when I heard that comment, I thought about that when I was working on this message. I thought, that person doesn't understand compassionate service. That was someone that said, well, I'll bring this and I'll bring that and I'll serve, but I don't like that the fact that it might be going to someone else. Compassionate service. Compassionate service is service that's genuine. Compassionate service is service where you don't want or need any recognition for it. Compassionate service isn't just about drawing a crowd. Compassionate service is about making a difference. You see, when Jesus, when he broke the, the bread and the, and the fish and he multiplied it that day and all those folks ate, I don't think that was what was in his mind was, hey, watch me, check out this trick I can do. Now everyone will be talking about me. No, it says he had compassion for these people. The only reason he fed them, it wasn't to show off. And if anybody ever had a reason to show off, it was Jesus. But even then, he wasn't doing it to show off. He said, I have compassion for these people because they're hungry. Let's give them something to eat. And that's what speaks louder than words. Compassionate service speaks louder than words. I'll give you another example. There was a, or a good example of compassionate service. There's a, a single lady in our church who a couple of our life groups have gotten together over the last couple months and have helped her move into a new place. That she was, She's here. She was unable to, uh, to, you know, by herself. She doesn't have a truck, doesn't have... Uh, a husband in her life to lift up the couch and all those things that men that we're good for and all that kind of stuff. So we had a couple life groups that said, hey, we'll move her in. They spent, they spent a whole Saturday, you know, all these guys that they're not related to her, they, they don't owe her anything, and they didn't want a pat on the back, and they spent a whole Saturday moving all her furniture, getting her put in. The couple of the life groups got together, and they stocked her kitchen full of supplies and all the stuff you need when you're first moving in, and you don't have to go to the grocery store and spend $250 to stock it up. All that was done through a couple of life groups. And let me tell you, why, let me tell you what didn't happen. It wasn't done through, I didn't find out about it and say, oh, as the pastor, I've got to get some stuff together. It was people on their own saying, 
here's a person with a need. How can we compassionately serve this person? And that speaks louder than words. You think when, when, that, when that young lady, when she has a chance to talk to people about her church, do you think that's going to be communicated? Absolutely it will be. She will say, look, this is a church that what they say on Sunday morning, they live out because they did it for me. That speaks louder than words. Compassionate service. Compassionate service communicates the gospel. Now, there's another thing that speaks louder than words that we should all have. And that is our joyful attitude. Our joyful attitude will speak louder than words. When I was in college, I went to um, Charleston Southern University. It was used to be Baptist College at Charleston, and then they changed the name, Charleston Southern University. And there was a, there was a place we used to eat uh, down in North Charleston. It was kind of like a clock kind of thing called Cary Hilliards. If any of you are from the lower part of the state, maybe you've eaten at Cary Hilliards. It's out of business now, which makes me sad. But, um, but we used to go to Cary Hilliards, and um, there was this woman who was a waitress at Cary Hilliards named Carol. I hope none of Carol's family are here today, because uh, if they are, I'm scared of you. Because here was the deal. Carol had the worst attitude of any waitress I've ever seen before or since. She had one of the worst attitudes of any human being I've ever met. And she made it very clear to you when you were there that she didn't like you, she didn't like serving you food, and she couldn't wait till you were done and got out of her area. I mean, she was just ugly. And sometimes she would, she even cussed at one of my friends one night, which we thought was hilarious, you know. <laughs> so then that just made us want to come back to her table all the time, right? But Carol just had a terrible attitude. Now, and here's the deal. I understand, I know now, I mean, a group of college students, we were loud, we were obnoxious. I'm sure we didn't tip well at all. And so she probably had a lot of reason to be in a bad mood. But it was just, it was just such an obvious thing that she had this terrible attitude. And, and, you know, some of you, you work with Carol's every day. You go to work and you know this person and you, 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 when you walk in you think, oh, this is going to be ugly today because they're going to be in a bad mood. And you know, some, of you, some of you have carols as your neighbors. Some of you are married to carols. Right? <laughs> don't, don't hit anybody in the ribs right now. That would ruin Mother's Day. All right? But you know, seriously, you, you know these people. And here's the sad thing. Here's what's really sad about it. There are a lot of people who call themselves Christians there are a lot of followers of Jesus who are carols. Some of, and, and I know this statement's going to sound kind of crazy, but, uh, and I know it's not fair because I've mostly been around followers of Christ for my professional life as a, as a pastor, but some of the ugliest acting, sourpuss people, down in the mouth, negative all the time folks that I've ever known are Christians. Seriously, I've, I've known people like that that serve on staff, that pastor churches, and they can't ever say anything nice, they can't ever say anything positive, and they even have a bad look on their face all the time, like they've got some, you know, IBS discomfort kind of going on, right? And it just, it blows my mind. Because here's the thing, when you read through the scripture, some of y'all, you're going to walk out of here and say, our pastor talked about IBS today. That's all you're going to remember. But when you read the scripture, 
You know what you find in there? There's a little three-letter word that's over and over and over again in Scripture. And this little three-letter word is describing what our attitude is supposed to be like. Anybody want to guess what that three-letter word might be? Joy. Over and over and over again, you read Scripture, and it says we should have joyful attitudes. In fact, in the book of Psalms, it's in just the book of Psalms. The word joy is in there 56 times just in one book. Look, let me, let me read some to you. Psalm 30, 11. You turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy. I love that idea of clothed me with joy. Totally covered up with it. Psalm 95, 1. Come let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. By the way, that's another uh, sermon for another day. But if anybody says, man, your church is too loud. Listen, the Bible says shout aloud to the rock of your salvation. And I've never heard anybody go to a Clemson game or a Carolina game and say, I ain't going back there. It's just too loud, right? But they'll say that about church, right? But anyway, our, come let us sing for joy to the Lord. Psalm 100 verse 1, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Another thing about shouting and joy. Psalm 126.3, the Lord has done great thing for, things for us and we are filled with joy. Now here's what you need to know. Joy is different from happiness. A, f- a few years ago, I got an iPod and man, was I happy. I'd never had one, and I had this friend say, man, you've got to get an iPod as much as you like music. And I got it, and I started like just putting all my CDs on there, and I could go on iTunes and buy music that I had forgotten about that was popular like when I was 12. And, oh, yeah, I like that song. I'll pay 99 cents for that. And, and so I was asking all for every, every uh, Christmas. I just want iTunes gift cards. That's all I want. Give me like $1,000 in iTunes gift cards. And so I was just downloading all this music. It was great. But now here's the thing. About three months ago, something happened. I popped a CD into my computer, and I put it on there, and then when I tried to sync up my iPod, you know what it told me? That my iPod was full. I'd filled that joker up. Over 5,000 songs on it, right? And I thought, man. And guess what happened? That iPod that I've been so happy with, at that moment, I was now unhappy with it. It was just that quick because now it wouldn't do what I wanted it to do, right? So I was no longer happy with it. See, that's what happiness is. Happiness is circumstantial. Happiness is based on whatever's going on with you that day. You're happy on Friday. You're unhappy on Monday morning, right? And, and that's natural. That's the way happiness works. Joy is different than that. See, joy is constant. Joy is there all the time. Joy is there when you're unhappy, and it's there when you're happy. Joy is present, present at the wedding ceremony, and it's present at the divorce proceedings. Joy is there when you're on vacation, and it's also there on Monday morning. Joy, if you are a follower of Christ, it never should leave you if you're a follower of Christ. I want to read you from Acts 13, 50 through 52, a little story about the, the disciples, about Paul and Barnabas. But before I do, let me tell you the context of what's going on. Before I read 50 and 52 of Acts 13, 50 through 52 of Acts 13, Paul and Barnabas were in this town, and, and they were teaching in the synagogue. That's like the church, and it says they were there on, on Sabbath, which is a Saturday. 
And it says that they're teaching that so many people responding to it that it says a lot of the Jews of the area at that time were, were beginning to begin, believe in Jesus and to follow the way of grace. And so they were, they were walking away from the law which they'd been raised on and they said all we need is Jesus. We don't have to do everything the law says. We can be saved by doing what Jesus says. And so it was this great response. And then they said to them, hey, we want you to come back next Saturday and do this again. So they've got a return engagement, which any speaker likes, right? And so they show back up the next Saturday. You know what it says? It says that nearly the entire town was there. Now imagine this. Imagine if today you walked out of here and you started telling people, man, you've got to come hear this crazy guy at Freedom Fellowship. He talks about IBS and all this other stuff. Come back here next Sunday. And you walk in here next week and the entire town of Greer is trying to get in here. There's not a seat, this front place. I mean, that would be amazing, right? So that's where Paul and Barnabas are, man. They're riding high. The whole town is here. And they're telling people about grace, telling people about Jesus. And then look what happens after they do that. Verse 50 of Acts 13 says this. But the Jews incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. So they shook the dust from their feet in protest against them. That's Paul and Barnabas shaking the dust from their feet. It's kind of like an old-timey thing that says, man, I don't need you, right? And then uh, and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Now let me say that last part again. The disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. Now, they were riding high, best speaking engagement they ever had, and in the middle of it, all of a sudden, you got these idiots working behind the scenes trying to put down the movement of God, and it worked. They got, they got them kicked out. Here they are speaking, the whole city's here. They get them kicked out, not just of the synagogue, but the whole region. You can't even come back to Greenville County anymore. Get out of here. And they kick them out of there. Now, how would you respond in that situation? If it was me, I know how I would respond. I'd go home, and I'd get in the bed, and I'd drink some chocolate milk, and I'd want to sleep for about a week. That's what I'd want to do. Nobody likes me. Sherry would be trying to get me up. Oh, it was really good, honey. And I'd be saying, no, they hate me. They kicked me out of the region, right? That's the way I would respond, probably. I would get all depressed. Some of you might get angry. You know, you'd be wanting to get up in somebody's face and go Chuck Liddell on them and pop them in the face and all that kind of stuff and cuss them out. And that's the way a lot of us would respond. And I love it how in the Scripture it says Paul and Barnabas, their response says they were filled with joy. Now, I'm sure they weren't happy. We know Paul from reading what he wrote in the Bible. He's a pretty fiery dude. I'm pretty sure he was a little upset about this so he wasn't happy but his overall attitude was one of joy even in the midst of persecution even in the midst of people talking bad about him and see that's the way our attitude should be we should have a if we're a follower of christ we should have a joyful attitude and that joyful attitude will speak louder than any words we can share now i'm not saying that you should be dishonest and I'm not saying you should be that guy. You know who that guy, I, there, was a, there was a friend of mine, and I'm not going to tell you who he was. Some of y'all might know him, but he was on staff at another church. And I promise you, I'm not lying. This was the way his voicemail sounded. When you would call his phone and he didn't answer. And I'll use my own name where his name was, so I won't accidentally say his name. But when, when you would call it, it would be like, hey, praise God, this is Cliff. 
I'm not here right now, but hallelujah, you can, you can leave me a message and I promise that I will call you back as soon as I can. Praise Jesus. I pray that the, your uh, life today will be filled with the love of God. Hallelujah. Amen. I look forward to talking to you later. I promise you his voicemail was like that. Maybe not word for word, but he had in, a, in about a 45-second voicemail, he had about three praise gods and a couple of hallelujahs in there. And I got to where I would call him and hoping he wouldn't answer so I could listen to that and just laugh because it cracked me up, you know. And I thought, dude, that is crazy sounding with your voicemail, right? And I'm not saying you have to be like that. I'm not saying if if you're not naturally a bubbly person, you don't have to all of a sudden become, hey, praise Jesus, good to see you, brother, all that kind of stuff. But there should be some kind of difference in your life because if we believe the Bible is true and we believe... That, that Christ really died, then, then we should have some joy. We shouldn't be negative all the time. We, we should smile. There should be something there that's different in us that people can see. This past um, Friday night, or Friday night before last, Sherry and I um, were going to our favorite uh, restaurant, and you, you'll know I'm a big spender when you find out where it is. We were going to El Mariachi where the two of us together can eat for like ten seventy five, I think. And uh, that's, that's one of our normal Friday night places. And we do like the old people. We get there like 5 o'clock in the afternoon, right? Because we don't have to mess with the crowd, right? And so, uh, so before we left, Sherry said, hey, I've got a few errands to run. Why don't we just go ahead and do that on the way? And I said, okay, that's cool. And so we went and we go to Belks. And it's one of my personal policies to try never to go into Belks. So, uh, so I dropped her off at the entrance, and I just went and parked out in the parking lot. And she told me, she said, it just take me a few minutes. I got one thing to do. And so well, I sat up there. It was like 35 minutes. I'm in the car. Which it was, it was a cool evening, so I had the windows down. I had Rock 101. I was just listening to music, so I was, I was cool. I wasn't in any hurry. Well, then she comes out, and I go pick her up, and she said, you won't believe who I ran into. And she tells me this woman's name that she had run into at Belts. Now, this woman who she had run into is probably about the age of my, my parents. My parents are around 65. And, uh, but this woman, I've known her for 15 years, and she's been dying ever since I've known her, right? But God hadn't figured that out yet, so she's still here on earth, right? But, but I mean, ever since I've known her, oh, I'm doing so bad, and oh, this is hurting, and pray for me, and all this kind of stuff. She's just one of these people that everything's always terrible. Well, same thing. Sherry runs into her there, and... When she realized who Sherry was, first thing, oh, please pray for me, and starts to list off everything that's wrong with her. All the things that's wrong, and this, that, and the other. And, and then what the funniest thing was, and this doesn't have anything to do with joyful attitude, but it's just hilarious. She then began to tell Sherry about how, I just can't make it to church because all these, but she's standing in the jewelry department at Belks, you know. But can't make it to church, but I can walk around Belks for an hour buying earrings, right? This kills me. But... But so here's the thing. So Sherry spent, you know, 30 minutes not talking to her. She spent 30 minutes getting talked to. And, and when she came out, she was telling me about that. And I just said, oh, good gracious, I'm glad. And I, then I said, boy, I'm really glad I stayed in the car. And, uh, and I told her, I said, you know, the sad thing about that is, the sad thing about that is there's, a, there's just, just a huge part about that that is very, very selfish. Because never once in that conversation did that woman ever ask how Sherry was doing. Well, I see you. I'm going to tell you everything that's wrong for me. Please pray for me. She never said, by the way, how are you? 
How's your children? How's your two girls that I remember when they were born? I mean, that I haven't seen you in, in you know, three or four years. Never, never once said that. And see, when we get so self-absorbed, that's when joy begins to disappear in our life. Because it becomes all about us and our problem. And, and you know, I didn't sleep well last night. But if I spend all day today dwelling on that, then I'm gonna, joy is going to just seep out of my life and, and, and disappear. But the joy of the Lord, our joyful attitude, should speak louder than our words. Psalm 126.3, one more time, look at this. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. If you know of great things Jesus has done for you, then you should never be like that woman that Sherry ran into at Bell's. Jesus died for you. There's one great thing. Jesus rose again. That's another great thing. Jesus has blessed you that you can live in America where you can go to the grocery store and buy food. That, oh, that's another thing. Sherry ran into somebody at the grocery store the other day, and the first thing out of this woman's mouth was, don't you just hate grocery shopping? And Sherry said she thought, I'm just glad that I live in a place where I can go buy a loaf of bread if I need to, and I got the money to do it. Jesus allowed you to get up this morning and have breath flowing through your lungs. That's a great thing. All of these things that Christ has done for us are supposed to be filling us with joy. But chances are you're walking around negative all the time, down in the mouth. And here's the thing, our attitude Either our joyful attitude or our negative attitude, either one of those will speak louder than our words. And if you're living a life of a negative attitude all the time, in fact, you don't need to tell anybody about Jesus. You just need to keep your mouth closed because you're going to tell them, listen, there's this guy named Jesus and he really changed me. And they're thinking, if he changed you into that, I don't want any part of it. <laughs> you complain all the time, right? But our joyful attitude will speak louder than our words. It will inspire us to smile. It'll inspire us to laugh. It'll inspire us to ask about how someone else is doing. It'll inspire us to sing. It'll inspire us to hug someone. It'll inspire us to spread joy wherever we go. It should make a difference. Now next week, we're going to talk about words and how our words are important. But our words need to be combined with our actions. And here's the thing. When our words are combined with compassionate service and a joyful attitude, our words are so much more effective. If you're telling somebody about Jesus just after you've served them compassionately and just after they've seen the joy of the Lord in your life, then those words are going to mean so much more than they ever could before. Now, we're going to have, I want us to uh, have another opportunity to respond this morning. I don't know if I told Sherry we were going to do that, but she's, she's cool with that. We're going to have another opportunity to respond this morning. She is versatile, man. That woman I'm married to, she is great. And uh, yeah, give her a hand. That's right. I'll get in more trouble for that than anything else I said today. For making her the center of attention, I'll get in big trouble. But listen, this is how I want us to respond. There's two, two things that I'm thinking about. Well, maybe more than two, but there's some of you here today, you need to come down and just get on your knees and you need to confess that you really just don't like people. I mean, seriously. There's some of you here today that if you were honest with yourself, you would say, you know what, I have a hard time being joyful. I'm, I'm pretty joyful when I'm alone. But when I get to work, 
I'm no, I'm no longer joyful. Because you just don't like people. You don't like the people you work with. You wish everybody would leave you alone. And that's not your personality. That's not an okay thing. That's, that's sin because God created people and we're supposed to care about people. So some of you need to just come down and you need to confess that to God and get that right. That, okay, I really just don't like people and God, I want you to change my heart. There's some of you that you like certain people, but you need to confess that, that, you just, that you just don't have the joy of the Lord in your life, whatever the reason may be. And maybe you've allowed your circumstances, it's not, it's not an intentional thing, but you've allowed your circumstances to get in the way and you've had some bad circumstances and you need to come confess and say, I need the joy of the Lord in my life. And then there's some of you that you need to come and you need to say, confess and say to God, God, I'm not serving anybody. I, that compassionate service thing, I don't do it. I come to church, I sit down, I listen, I go home, I go to work, and then I come to church, I sit down, I listen, I go home, I go to work, and you just repeat it over and over again. You're not serving anybody through any official thing like back to school bash or Africa trip or anything like that, and you're not serving anybody like we talked about that happened with the single mother where you just see a need and you take care of it and you say, I can do something about that, and you really don't have that heart of compassion for people to serve them. So this is what I want us to do. I want everybody to stand up. We're not going to sing. I want you to bow your heads, and I'm going to pray. And when I'm done praying, I'm not going to say amen. I'm just going to stop praying. Y'all, if, if you want to respond, you come down. No one's going to be looking at you. And you just get on your face, get on your knees, ask God to stand up, ask God to forgive you, tell Him you want to be joyful, you want to be a person of service. And then, then I will say one more prayer and say amen, and then we'll have our closing song. So let me pray for us. Father God, thank you that you have given us examples in scripture of how we're supposed to live and Lord we can't feed 4,000 people but we can feed one and we can't be happy every day but we can be joyful and Lord we know that there are the large majority of the people in our community they don't care enough about you to even worship you on a Sunday morning, to even go with their friends and, and be in a place like this or, a, or another church. And so, Lord, there are plenty of people that we can be sharing your love with. And we know that we need to speak words, but also, Lord, we know that there are things that speak louder than words. And our joyful actions, our joyful attitudes, and our compassionate service are two ways we can do that. And so, Lord, I pray for me, God, that you would help me to have compassion on all people, not just those I like. Lord, you would help me to be joyful at all times, not just when things go the way I want. Because, Lord, you know I struggle with that. And so, Father, I pray now that anyone who needs to respond, Lord, they wouldn't worry about anything else. And, Father, we just want to make an impact for you. We ask this in Jesus' name.